Hello and welcome to this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Isaac and today we are jumping into the second episode in our series titled We Are Family. You know, our vision as a church is to help each other take our next steps towards Jesus. We really believe that no matter where you are in your faith, there's always a next step. Whether you're wrestling with faith and you're not really sure about it, you know, you're a little bit confused, what is what is the Bible, who really is God, or you've been in church for years and years, maybe your entire life, there's always a next step to take with Jesus. And we're excited about this series because uh, that's kind of what we're talking about. What does it mean to really be a part of the church? And what does it mean to take steps forward as part of our community and ultimately really as part of the community of God? Well, we value the importance of serving our local community. And we believe that serving in our local communities gives us the right to share the gospel with our neighbors. So today, Pastor Dave is going to explain a few options for our church family to get out and to really Really bless our community. And so I'm hoping that this message inspires you to really step out and to look to do something to serve your community and to really be the hands and feet of Christ in our community and live as if you are a part of the family. Hey, if you would like to know anything that's going on this upcoming fall, you can go to baritonroad.org slash events and you can find all of that information there. Additionally, you can see a video episode of this podcast on YouTube or our Facebook page, and those are linked in the description of the podcast. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode titled Get Out. I heard a couple of Penn State. That's good, especially after that Auburn beatdown yesterday. Um, yeah, that was good. Family. So whenever I say we are, just say family. We are family. family. Amen. That is what we are. If you're a first-timer today or you're newer to the church and you're not even sure you're coming back next week, we're just glad that you came to visit today, and uh, we hope that you feel the love of this church family that we call Beartown Road Alliance Church. We are... Uh, blessed to be a part of this. I love this family. I've been pastor here for 10 years. I've loved every year of it, and uh, I'm excited to talk about this for the entire fall. We're going to talk about what it looks like, what do we do, and what do we believe as this local family of believers. If you were with us last week, my wife just talked about this a minute ago. We talked about small groups. We are a family, not with small groups, but we are a family of small groups, and we had 265 adults sign up last week, which is like 85% of our church. So great job. Thanks for responding to that. We will start this week. My group starts tonight, and uh, it's a brand new group. We're excited to, to launch groups this week, and we're hoping that we will form transparent and Christ-centered relationships throughout the course of the fall. Today, we're going to talk about this, um, this ideal or this truth that we, we really want to achieve, and it's simply this, that we are a family that loves our local communities. We are a bit of a regional church here at Beartown. We have people from PA. We've got people from you know, New York and, and, of course, as far as uh, Avoca and Bath and all the way down into south of Pennsylvania. We've got people that come from all over the place. And we want to be a church family that loves our local communities. We have a mission statement around here that is painted on the wall that goes like this. Our mission or our goal is that we would help each other take our next steps towards Jesus. So every time you come into this place for Sunday morning worship or small groups or youth group or children's church or events, 
you would walk away and you would say, you know what, I took another step towards Jesus today. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. I'm not perfect, but I am taking steps to get closer to him. So the question that I want to deal with today, um, it's a difficult question. It's a, a tricky question. We as a staff uh, are dealing with this question all the time. Our elders, our deacons who are in charge of what we call the Helping Hands Fund when it comes to serving people who encounter difficult times. We deal with this question all the time, and we're going to deal with it today, and it's simply this. What role should our church family play in meeting people's physical needs? What role should we play? Um, As I said, our deacons are in charge of our Helping Hands Fund, and and in the month of August alone, we gave almost $2,000 to people who uh, you know, hit a bump, a financial bump, or had a difficult season of life. We provide groceries and, and rent, car insurance. Some people really need some marriage counseling, and our pastoral staff is sometimes limited in giving them the counseling that they need, so we sometimes uh, support that through our Helping Hands Fund. Now, um, you, when it comes to this whole idea of what are we supposed to do when it comes to meeting physical needs, there's like two extremes, right? There's the one extreme that says we shouldn't give anything, right? We're just here to help people spiritually. We shouldn't help them meet their physical needs at all. Then the other side of the coin might be, well, Dave, you should just become a volunteer and get a real job like the rest of us, and the rest of the staff should get a job, and we should give like 90% of our money to helping people and helping the community, and we'll pay the bills and that sort of thing. Those are kind of the two extremes. And we should kind of be somewhere in the middle of that when it comes to meeting each other's physical needs. But this is This is really, really a tricky thing, and again, I want to try to get at some of this today because this is what James says, and this is so convicting. James, the brother of Jesus, writing to the church, you know, around the Mediterranean world says this, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save him? I mean, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food, about Several months ago, maybe it was the late spring or early summer, Sarah Gaiman, who is our director of Next Steps, she pops into my office and she says, I got a phone call from a nice lady. I've never met her before, but she's about to be evicted. And, you know, do we, do we think, think we should do something? And if you know Sarah, you know she's got a, a big heart for people who are in need. She's, she's kind of like an angel, right? <laughs> and... Uh, And so she says, you know, can we do something? And then she quoted this next verse from James, and she goes, I don't want to be like the people that James describes when he says, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is that, right? What good is it if a Christian just says, hey, I'll pray for you, or go and be well, but we don't actually help people when they're in need? What good is a church family who just says, hey, we'll pray for you, but we don't actually do anything about that? What good is that, right? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's dead faith. And none of us want to be people who have dead faith. He goes on, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I believe, by what I can explain, by what I can (laughs) preach, (laughs) by what I, yeah, you said it by what I do. You believe there is one God, 
good. And that is a good thing if you believe in one God, especially in the, the ancient world in this Greco-Roman culture where they believed in the, the Roman pantheon of gods. I mean, there were hundreds of gods that they would pray to. And the early Christians were actually referred by some as um, atheists. Oh, those Christians are atheists. They don't believe in all the different gods. They just believe in one God. Matter of fact, if you didn't believe Caesar was God and you didn't offer incense to him, you could be thrown into the lion's den, right? So James says, it's important that you have faith. It's important you have accurate doctrine. What you believe is a big deal. But, I mean, even the demons believe that and shudder. So faith without works is dad, let's get to this question again. What role should our church, Beartown Road Alliance Church, what should we play in meeting people's physical need? And what James would say is authentic faith absolutely meets physical needs. But if that's all you ever do is provide physical needs without offering them Jesus, you've only met them halfway because it's all about Jesus, right? That's our mission. That's the goal is to help each other take our next steps towards Jesus. So to go back to my story about Sarah, we not only helped her, you know, get out of her apartment and she, she eventually got to a safe place, but Sarah continued to be in relationship with this lady to this day. And at one point she said to Sarah, she said, no one's ever been this kind to me before. And her response was so good. She said, it's not me, it's Jesus. Right? That, that's what it's all about. Because if you just give them bread, which is good, but you don't offer them the bread of life, you've only met them halfway. If you only give them a cup of water, but you don't offer them the living water, you've only met them halfway. Here's the way Jesus said it on the Sermon on the Mount when he looked at his followers and he said, you are the salt of the earth. You're meant to preserve it. Right? You're the light of the world. You show up in dark places and you bring light. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So when we offer people bread or we give them clothes or we meet their physical needs, the goal is not that they would say, wow, you're such a nice person. <laughs> the goal isn't that we would necessarily walk away and say, I feel so fulfilled, though that's a good thing, right? Because joy is being cultivated in our hearts. But the goal at the end of the day is that they would praise their Father in heaven because they saw Christ in you. That's what it's all about. So there's, there's two errors when it comes to this whole topic. Number one is, Faith without works is dead, and number two is mission drift. So let me spend a moment talking about mission drift because, again, we are called to help each other take our next steps towards Jesus. It is all about Jesus, and if we drift away from that mission, we've missed what God has called us to do as a family of believers, as a local church. So let me give you some examples of mission drift. You've probably heard of some of these. Um, this is from the book Mission Drift. And um, perhaps the best example is one that happened in about 1844 in London. A group of young men moved to London to find work. And they ended up uh, hitting the streets and entering a life of, of crime. So this man, George Williams, started a Bible study for displaced young men. And he reached all these young men in the city of London. It eventually grew and grew and grew to the point where, where they're like, this is actually an association. 
Let's give it a name. So they gave it the, the name, the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association. The YMCA was so effective early on that they actually commissioned 20,000 missionaries. This was their motto. This was their mission as described by George Williams. Our object is the improvement of the spiritual condition of the young men engaged in houses of business by the formation of Bible classes, family and social prayer meetings, mutual improvement societies, or any other spiritual agency. That's what the YMCA was all about. Then, World War I hit. And at the end of World War I, Many young people became skeptical of Christianity. They looked at the suffering and the, you know, the, the war, and they, they just thought, I don't, I don't want to be a, a... I think Christianity is false. It doesn't make any sense to me. So lots of people left the faith. And as a result of that, a fissure or a division began to grow within the church between those who argued the preeminence of words and those who argued the preeminence of deeds. So there was a group of people in the church that said... Let's not make this about Jesus, because that's too offensive. Let's just help those who are in need. Let's feed the hungry. Let's give people a place to exercise. And then there's another group of people that said, yeah, we need to meet physical needs. But it, look, we were started upon the name of Jesus Christ that people would, be, would meet Christ, and that would, they would be changed from the inside out. And so there was division that took place within the ranks of the YMCA, and we learned that with revenue declining, the YMCA decided to emphasize its fitness programs and downplay its biblical training. And you know the rest of the story. In the year 2010, the YMCA dropped the MCA, and it is now known as the Y. And they quite literally lost the Y behind the Y. Another example of this there was a school that was started in 1636, and this was the mission of the school. This is why they started. To be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God in Jesus Christ. And you look at this mission, and you might think to yourself, well, that's Moody Bible Institute, where Lucas went, or maybe it's Geneva College, where I went, or maybe it's Houghton or Wheaton in Chicago, these evangelical schools. Well, you know what that school was? It was Harvard. And it drifted away from its mission. And here's the part you may not know, is that a group of pastors got together and they said, okay, Harvard has drifted so far away, let's start a new school. So they found a man named Elihu Yale to fund this new school. They started the school that was called Yale in 1718. And their motto was Lux et Veritas, which literally means light and truth. And if you know anything about Yale, you know that they have drifted away from its mission as well. It is so easy. It is so tempting to drift away from the mission that God has given you. Here's what Peter Greer, the author of Mission Drift, writes, he says, if we continue to apologize for our faith, conceal its importance, and drift from our core, we will lose the very uniqueness our world so desperately needs, namely a relationship with the author and the sustainer and the savior of your soul. 
You know, one person who really never struggled with or never drifted away from his mission was the Apostle Paul who wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Paul's like, you know what? If you want me to act like someone who's under the law, though I'm not under the law, if you want me to avoid bacon and pork and you want me to dress a certain way, I'll do it if it means I'll win people to Christ. If you want me to wear black clothes, I'll wear it. If you want me to wear white clothes, I'll wear it. If you want me to talk this way, I will talk this way. I will do whatever it takes short of sin to win people to the gospel. And he never drifted away from that. Matter of fact, when you open up your New Testament, about a third of your New Testament is written letters that Paul wrote to local churches in Rome, Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, and Thessalonica to remind them of their mission, which was all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he never strayed from that. And you and I are beneficiaries of that. So let's not be a family. Let's not be a church family that strays away from the mission to help each other take our next steps towards Jesus. Because we really do believe that Jesus has the power to transform not only your eternal life, but your life right now. Now, Paul was crystal clear on his mission, but that doesn't mean he didn't help the poor. You read the letters in the New Testament, and what Paul would oftentimes do is he would go into these churches, and he would fundraise. Let me show you where he describes this, 1 Corinthians 16. He says this, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And so before Paul showed up, these people would take their money, and they'd put it in a jar, And then they would give the jar to these ambassadors who would take it to the church in Jerusalem. Because during this time, the church in Jerusalem was enduring a famine. People were dying of starvation. And Paul says, that's the church in Jerusalem where this whole thing gets started. We are indebted to them, and we need to support them financially so that they can eat. Right? He cared about the hungry. He cared about clothing the people who didn't have the basic necessities of life. He loved his local communities. But he always kept the main thing, the main thing, namely the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this book, Mission Drift, there is uh, a couple quotes I want to share with you. Um, There's a man named Matthew Paris who was a British journalist. And he has this great quote. I want to show this with you. He says this, I'm a confirmed atheist. But I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa. He goes on, government projects, international aid efforts, education and training alone will not do. There's a story in this book about the author, one of the authors, Peter Horst, who went into Rwanda, Africa, and he met a man named John Paul. And John Paul lived in a house that was dilapidated. It's a mess. His kids weren't being educated. His life was a disaster. Peter Horse meets John Paul, and he teaches him how to run a business, teaches him how to sell things. Eventually, he's able to run a business all on his own. Well, eventually, Peter Horse left. Months later, he comes back to visit John Paul, and he realizes, wow, he's able to make money. He's back on his feet. He's got a successful business. He's prosperous. And then he goes over to John Paul's house, and he expects to see a nicer house. He expects to see his kids sitting around reading textbooks, but he discovers 
that the house looks the same as before he taught him business. Same old rundown house. And he discovered that though John Paul made more money, he spent all of his money on alcohol and prostitutes. And his kids didn't get educated and his house didn't get fixed up. And so what Matthew Paris says to finish off this quote is in Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real and the change is good. This is a quote from an atheist who visited Congo, Africa and says it is not enough to meet people's physical needs. If you don't meet people's physical needs, that's faith without works and that is dead But that's only going halfway. We need to offer them the bread of life that really changes lives, namely the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 6. He says, let's not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, this subject is, is pretty easy to talk about. It's pretty easy to preach. It's easy to read about, but it is oh so hard to do because it's tricky, right? It's like, do I give them $5 or do I give them $10? Do I help them in this moment or do they need to help themselves? Do I come alongside of them? Or It's just such a tricky, tricky thing. We talk about this as a staff, you know, people asking for things, and it's just, it's just hard, and it's tricky, and it's difficult to know how to help and how much to help. But this, this is the truth. This is, a, this is a tension to manage and not a problem to solve. This will always be a tension. And Paul says, don't grow weary. Don't give up. If you're someone who wants to reach your local community and help people, there's always going to be a struggle surrounding this. There's always going to be a tension. So don't give up and don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So Paul says, let's meet as many physical needs as we have the ability to do so. But first and foremost, let's bless our family. Let's take care of our church family. So, One of the um, side benefits of COVID, the whole season of COVID, was that my kids who attend Corning Painted Post School District got free lunch. So they didn't need to make lunch, you know, which means they got to school on time all the time because they didn't have to wake up and make their lunch. Um, Well, this year, school started a couple weeks ago, and now they have to make their lunch, which just makes the mornings that much more dramatic, right? Well, a few days ago, they, they, in, in the morning, they, they couldn't find anything to put in their lunch boxes. And they said, hey, Dad, we got nothing to eat. And I said, looks like you're going to have to go hungry today. And so they went to school. And they sat at the lunch table with long faces. And there were several other kids who didn't eat as well. And so I decided to go to Walmart, and I bought a bunch of groceries and a bunch of lunch boxes. And I filled the lunch boxes, and I went to the school. And I gave lunch boxes to all of the kids that didn't have any food. But I didn't give it to my kids. And my kids said, Dad, what is wrong with you? Why aren't you feeding me? And I said to my son, I'm here doing local outreach. And 
and you already know the Lord, and if you die of starvation, you'll go to heaven. I'm trying to, I'm trying to reach some people here. And so they got so mad, they left the family, and they joined other families. Now, if that story were true, you would fire me as your pastor because you would say you are a lousy leader. Because why? Because we take care of our family first. That's how we operate. We are family. So we take care of each other first. We take care of the family. And that's, that's how, like people come in and they need something. Like we, if you're part of the family, we do everything we can to help you if you hit a financial need. You need to meet with one of us. You need some counseling. That's what we do. We take care of the family first and then we take care of the community. We take care of all people as much as we can, even, and this may be the hardest part of the whole sermon, even our enemies. If your enemy's hungry, you should feed them. And you're like, I'm not going to do that. I like taking care of my family. And you, should feed, you should feed your enemies. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And all the while, we'll be demonstrating faith followed by deeds. Faith that works. So we're called to meet physical needs as best we can, first for our family and then for the community. But the main mission is Jesus, and we got to keep the main thing the main thing. Again, I can't stress this enough. This is difficult. And if we're to engage our local community and meet people's physical needs, there will always be tension around this issue. The other thing that we want to make sure we don't do is we don't want to treat people as projects, right? We don't want to treat people as projects. Like, when I, when I go to a game, like, I don't want you being like, oh, here's Pastor Dave. He's going to ask me why I haven't been in church in a couple weeks. Or here's Dave. He's just going to invite me to church again. Like, I don't want to be the guy that's just, like, interested in, you know, Numbers are building up. I have a quick story I want to share. I want to share this with you a couple years ago. You might remember it, but about 20 years ago, I was taking a group of high school kids on a missions trip. We get there, and a couple days into the trip, my, my kids discovered that the other church that we were serving with did not have good theology. And so we met at the end of the night. We got together as a circle, and they're like, what do we do? And I said, just, just love them and share the gospel with them. Share them what we believe to be true. So they did that. They'd be painting fences and sharing the gospel with, their, with the other church. And I was so proud of them. And by the end of the week, we got onto the van to head back home. It was a 10-hour drive. And I'll never forget this. I'm about to get on the van, and the leader of that church comes up to me. He says, Dave, can I talk to you for a second? I was like, ugh. He's like, I felt like you treated us as a project all week. And I got back on the van for 10 hours. That's all I could think about. Saturday morning, I I got his number somehow. I called him up, and we had a great conversation. But that stuck with me because I don't want people to think that I'm just interested in you as a project or interested in you just so I can say, you know, kind of look good or feel good about sharing the gospel because I'm supposed to. We don't want to treat people as projects. We want to truly love our community, right? But do we really believe that, that Jesus is better than safety and prosperity? 
Do, do we really believe that? I mean, we celebrate prosperity, don't we? We're good at celebrating prosperity. And for the most part, as a church, not all of us, but most of us are prosperous. Like we're, we're doing the American dream. I mean, just go out to the parking lot and look around. Right? If you invite me into your house, I'll probably look around your house and I'll say, wow, this is a great house. God has blessed you. If you get a new car and you allow me to spin around in your new car, I'll probably say, wow, this is a nice new car. If your kid gets a new pair of kicks, I'll probably say, man, those are some nice shoes. It would be weird if I said, you know what, it's a nice house, but you could have bought a shack and given the money to charity. It would be weird if I said, those are nice shoes, but you could have gotten a pair of bobos and given the money to charity. Do they still use that word, bobos, when they refer to shoes? When I was in high school, no. No. 1996, my graduate, anybody remember that? I guess maybe I'm the only one. It would be weird, right? It would be weird if we, we just kind of, you, 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 should, you should do it. But do we really believe that the gospel is better? Do we really believe that the gospel is better than prosperity? Praise God that most of us can walk in our neighborhoods and we don't have to worry about getting shot or someone launching a grenade at us. Praise God, we got safe vehicles and we got seatbelts. Most of us, we live the good life, and we'll probably celebrate that. When my son hit a home run the other day and someone put it on Facebook, people came up to me and said, that's awesome that he hit a home run. Nobody come up to me and said, you know what? He should have given his spot to somebody else so that they could enjoy hitting a home run, right? We celebrate prosperity. That's what we do. But do we really believe the gospel is better than prosperity? Because we know prosperity brings its own problems. I mean, poverty brings problems, but so does prosperity. So at the end of the day, it's about Jesus because he makes us new and he transforms us from the inside out and he gives us the church family so we can love each other so that we can use our gifts with him as the head and we can make a difference in our church community. As the great theologian and scholar Brad Pitt once said, the emphasis now, it's not on success, or it is on success and personal gain. And I'm sitting in it, and I'm telling you, that's not it. I'm the guy who's got everything, right? Celebrity, fame, he's got it all, but he says, that's not it. But once you get everything, then you're just left with yourself. And it doesn't help you sleep any better. And you don't wake up any better because of it. So what are we chasing? Are we chasing things? Are we chasing the gospel? Do we really believe that the gospel has the ability to change people's lives? And so I pray that we will continue to, let, to give bread and to help people and to be a place where we really do meet people's needs. But that's halfway. Because there's this thing called eternal life. And we believe that this life is better with Jesus than without. So would you serve your community wholeheartedly? And would you pray for an opportunity to pray for someone, to share Jesus, or to invite them to meet your church family? So let me get practical. We as a church uh, on October 23rd are going to come together as a church family, and we're going to do what we're calling the church leaves the building. So on Sunday morning, rather than having a worship service, and this kills me to say this because I love worship, and I think Sundays are for worship, and Sundays are for gathering, and I love to preach. But if we do this on a Saturday, we'll get 30 people. If we do it on a Sunday, I think we can get 300 people. 
So we're going to do this on October 23rd. Um, there will be uh, groups of prayer meeting in here. If you're physically unable to do some of these things, we're going to have some prayer because prayer is a work. Amen? Prayer is a work. And there's a team that's been working hard the last couple of months to try to make this thing happen. And we've got lots of local organizations who we're just going to bless them in the name of Jesus, right? Here's just a list of some of those organizations. Uh, and again, you'll be able to go to our website. We're still forming this. You're going to have to sign up. You're going to meet at the place. You're going to serve, and then you're going to go home. So stay tuned online for those opportunities to serve. But I want you to mark it on your calendar. Sunday, October 23rd, the church is leaving the building, and we're going to go love on our local communities. Another thing we're going to do uh, is Fall Fest, October 31st, Halloween night. Some of you were here last year when we took the the parking lot, and we had trunk or treat, and we had hundreds of people here. And we're doing this so that we can tell the community we're not just in the community, but we're for the community. You may not like our theology. You may not love what we believe, but we want you to know that we love you. Wouldn't it be great if, if people said, you know what? Those high school kids, those high school kids, I'm not sure I believe what they believe, but they are the kindest young men I've ever met. Those boys over at Beartown Road Alliance Church, they're just so good, and they're just so willing to serve. Those, those men and those women who go to that, I'm not sure I love what they believe, but man, they've made our community better. Let's love our community, amen? Um, one other thing I want to tell you about is a great organization in Lindley called the Pantry of Angels. This is their mission statement, to eliminate hunger and to improve the nutritional needs for anyone in need. Crystal is here today. She set up a little spot right in the foyer so that you can see how much food is given away per family per week. They, they get, this is incredible. They serve 210 households every Thursday. You drive up and you get a, a, nice, a, a nice thing of groceries. It's about 667 individuals that they're serving. It is extraordinary what they are doing. And I told Crystal, I said, we as a church family are going to come behind you and we're going to help you. They need more volunteers. They need more help, and we're going to help her. We're going to help her. So here's how you do this. You go to beartownroad.org slash pantryofangels, or you go to our homepage, and you click under ministries. You click on Pantry of Angels, and there's all kinds of different opportunities to serve. Uh, Throughout the week, you can serve. You can serve on Thursday, Tuesday, Monday. They have cleaning needs, all kinds of needs, and they need more volunteers, and we have a lot of people in our church family who can make a big difference. Pantry of Angels, Lindley, it's only like 12 minutes from here. Um, we've been doing, on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m., the Wegmans pickup. So I love Wegmans, and I go in, and it's incredible how much food Wegmans gives to us that we then give to the Pantry of Angels, and they give out. So we've been doing Saturday morning pickups every Saturday for the last several months. And you can just go online. You can sign up. We have leaders for every Saturday. All you need to do is sign up and then show up at the back of Wegmans. All you need is your muscles to move groceries into the van and drop it off at the Pantry of Angels. There's all kinds of practical ways that we can help and we can hand out bread to people and we can pray and we can wrestle with how we can share Jesus, how we can pray for them, how we can be the light of Christ. Because, come on, at the end of the day, bread is good, but bread is temporary. The bread of life 
is eternal. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now. We're going to move this TV off to the side, and I want to show you a video of what the Saturday morning Wegmans run looks like. So let's take a look at this together, and then we'll close the service with a song. To, to do this song called Build Your Church. It's a little bit of a hard song to sing, so good luck, guys. Um, but the words are so good, and this is kind of going to be our theme song for this series, and it's just called Build Your Church. We are your church, right? We are the body of Christ, the hands and the feet of Jesus in this local community, in your local community. So I want to invite you to just stay seated, listen to the words, uh, Lucas might have you stand up at some point so that we can sing out this song, but the words are so good. Because Jesus said, Jesus said to Peter, that you are the rock upon which I will build this church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Gates of hell ain't overcoming this church. So let's be the church of Jesus Christ. As he continues to build it, let's be the hands and the feet of Jesus. So let's worship together through this song. Well, I hope that you feel challenged to do what you've never done before and either get out in community for the first time or continue to get out or to dedicate your heart and mind into serving. Because as a church, that's part of what we're called to is to serve our community, to serve those that need our help, to be an active part of our community, uh, because that's how we demonstrate the love of Christ. And so until we're together again, I simply want to say thank you for joining in on this episode of the Baritown Road Alliance Church Podcast.